Welcome to In Context and Culture, a podcast hosted by pastors Corey Majors and Trent Roseman, intended to clarify and comment on critical issues pertaining to theology, the Bible, and life in the church. Now, enjoy the podcast. Hey, this is Corey Majors with my good friend Trent Roseman, and you are joining us for In Context and Culture. And uh, we're going to go over several topics today, but before we get into those, just let me ask you, Trent, what have you been doing with yourself over the quarantine? So my wife and I actually just moved to our new home in Tampa, right outside of Tampa, Florida, um, which has been kind of interesting. Uh, being that we're in quarantine, we, uh, my wife didn't really want a, a lot of people to come into our new house and go in our old house and help us move, um, and understandably so. Uh, so moving took a little bit longer than usual. Uh, we had uh, one of my friends who's a pastor on our staff came to help, um, and then one of our young adult students and one of our high school students came and helped. Um, I didn't tell you this, but in the process of our move, um, we moved early this past Friday. And I got a U-Haul and did the whole thing of boxing up everything. And we started at 8 a.m., um, just starting to move stuff. Well, somewhere along the process, I lost my U-Haul key um, and didn't know it until oh, we man. already packed everything. Um, and so we head over <laughs> to the other house where I have to do like a um, on-the-phone walkthrough moving inspection by a certain time. And we just got done in time to go over and do it. We're making great time. I go to get in my car, and my keys aren't in my, po- in my pocket. So um, uh, they start unloading over there. I do the movement inspection. Um, I like reschedule it on the phone after the guy calls me. They come back to look. I then go to the house and do the movement inspection. Um, they take everything out of the U-Haul that we've just packed to try to find it. Can't find it anywhere. Then I have to get a locksmith to come and make me a new key. Uh, dude, it was, a long, it was a long day. But um, that all being said, we're moved into the new house, um, which has a bedroom now for our um, uh, the child we're expecting. So we're really excited about that. But yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's what's been going on in my world. How about you? Oh man. Well, first of all, I just want to say that would be exciting. Uh, I think probably what I would have done if I was you would have just said, Hey, uh, this is going to be a mission project. Uh, and so like all of you, we're going to go to the new house and y'all are going to pack up my old house and bring it to us and then we can unpack it or something. <laughs> but I mean, you know, just uh, garnishing the resources of the kingdom there. Um, anyway. <laughs> you got a servant's but, uh, heart, right? I'm so yeah, thankful yeah. for your servant's heart. Now will you come help me move some stuff? <laughs> that's right. That's right. You have that gift of service. Um, anyway. <laughs> Don't hold it back. Anyway. It's for mutual edification. It's for that's use right. of the kingdom. It's for, you know. Don't you want to be used by the Lord? Come on. <laughs> come and move some boxes. <laughs> No, um, no, man. I'm just I really life for me has n- not been drastically different. I'm still having to do all the same stuff as I'm sure you are, uh, pastoring and all that. But um, been spending some time, more time with my family uh, than I have been spending uh, prior to the quarantine. So it's been a really good thing for me to just be able to slow down and man we've been playing some killer settlers of Catan um games and we've been uh you know having some um family uh 
fights because of Settlers of Catan and all of those fun things that you have with board games. Uh, because all of my family is extremely competitive. Um, and you might not know that just from looking at us on the, from the outside, but uh, we all want to win desperately and um, get very, we're not very good losers. In fact, one of our family mottos is we are winners. We're going to win. <laughs> uh, which we which we got from Remember the Titans. But at any rate, uh, that's kind of what we've been doing with ourselves. Nothing as strenuous as moving or having a child or anything like that. Have you watched so. any? I know you've been playing some games. We just got a game because there's two of us that can really play a game right now. Of course, Jude is two years old, so he can't strategize for Settlers of Catan. Um, but one of my favorite games is Settlers. Um, have you been watching any you know new movies or anything like that as a family? Uh, we've been watching, we kind of been binge watching a little bit of Netflix, uh, All American Show. Um, and I started watching uh, The Last Kingdom on Netflix, I think. Okay. Some, but uh, I haven't been watching too much uh, uh, movies. What about you? So we just watched a movie that I think we had already seen. I think you get to a certain point in your life where you start rewatching movies and you don't realize it until about three fourths the way in. Um, that probably means you've watched too much movies or you're just getting old and forget things. Now, I recognize or relatively. Too busy. I'm, I'm, yeah, too busy, maybe. Now, um, it, it was, it's Argo. Have you seen the movie Argo? I have not. Okay, so first off, when we're done with this podcast, you need to go and watch that movie. It's phenomenal. Um, but it's uh, a Ben Affleck movie, which the, one, yeah. the movies that he stars in that he doesn't direct, to me, are typically not very good. Uh, at all, um, but the ones that he has helped write or direct are typically great. So that's Argo. That's um, oh, what's the movie that he went uh, he did with um, Robin Williams um, about the janitor who's a mathematician. Oh, people are listening to this probably thinking, oh, it's it's that movie. Duh. Um, I feel like Joe Biden. It's the it's the thing. You know the thing. The only um, other movies I know of that he was in was Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. There you it, go. So is that it? Yeah. So you know Ben Affleck um, helped like create that movie or, or directed it. So great movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, but of course Ben Affleck and Batman is just just terrible. Um, terrible. But, but, oh my gosh, it's so bad. But Argo is about the um, Iranian hostage crisis uh, and uh, the few people that. Uh, escaped the uh, United States Embassy when the Iranians took it over, uh, mm-hmm. and they were held in shelter or, or sheltered by uh, one of the Canadian workers for the Canadian Embassy at his home, and the Iranians were trying to find them, and so uh, the CIA went in and acted like they were Canadian movie stars to get them out. It's a true story, and it's so well done. Um, so it's, it's worth checking out. Is that Argo. on Netflix? Um, you might have to check. I'm not sure. We, uh, no longer have Netflix. We switched to just Hulu and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus. Um, Is it on Amazon Prime? I don't know. Maybe. Man. I don't think so. See, we, we, we did the Apple movie rental thing. It was 99 cents. So. Gotcha. Yeah. But it's well worth your time. Yeah, I'll check that out. See, I, I didn't know whether to watch it or not because, um, one time we went, now this is dating myself here, but like we actually went into a blockbuster. How long have those been dead? But, um, Wait, what's anyway, a blockbuster? Right. Um, it's a large, big movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, we went into a, a video store. Let me say it that way. And, um, movie gallery. I, yeah. Asked this guy, said, hey, what's a good movie? And he recommended Fargo. 
Okay. He said, hey, he said, we said, yeah, we like comedies. He goes, yeah, this is kind of a dark comedy. Dude, it was not funny. <laughs> and so, you know, as we're watching this person be put through a wood chipper, I'm just like, this is not hilarious at all. You're and, just like, uh, comedy. Yeah. I don't know, like, what kind of weird sense of humor this guy had. <laughs> but um, at any rate, like, any, you know... That was Fargo, and you know, since Argo has the majority of that word in it, I thought, well, this can't be good, <laughs> and so I just kind of wrote it off uh, as terrible word association or whatever. Sure, sure. So, so Argo is the name of the Canadian movie that they act like they're starring in. That's like their cover. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, it's it's a great. It's movie. pretty ingenious. It's it's yeah. it's good. Well, well, man, let's uh, let's jump into a couple topics here. Okay. Uh, first one is online church. Um, we've both been doing that for uh, several weeks now. And so uh, just kind of let you know what we've been doing. We've just been doing uh, normal Sunday morning service, and it doesn't look just terribly different than what we would be doing if we were here in person. Um, you know, we're having the, we're having the song service. Um, I will get up and talk about giving and how important that is. Um, I will, my, our uh, associate pastor, uh, Tyler, he gets up and does a welcome, leads us in prayer time, and then uh, I'll get up and give my sermon. And so uh, we've done that. In addition, we've been doing weekly devotionals for people. And, um, you know, just trying to put that out. I've been doing one. We have other men in the church um, doing them as well. And just trying to trying to feed feed people the word uh, however we can. Man, it falls so far short. Uh, but what what's the online church been looking like for you? Yeah. So as you're as you're talking, you know, you you mentioned online church, which is of course what we're calling it, what everybody's calling it. But those two words together um, don't really work. <laughs> like it's yeah. almost an oxymoron to say online church because church, right. the, the word itself, means a gathered assembly. Right. So, um, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, I, I know that there's different. Well, let me say this. I know that there's different pastors who have really thought through, OK, is online church the best uh, method um, or, or best you know, direction to go to for um, this time where we're in quarantine? You know, um, I. I sympathize and am thankful for the ministries of like Capitol Hill Baptist Church and Mark Dever who have decided not to uh, in order to not skew the perspective of what church truly is. However, uh, like you guys, we um, we are providing um, a church service every Sunday morning. And, and while it might not be church, just like you said, it might not be everything that, that church truly is. In one sense, we want to minister to families by providing them resources to encourage family worship, right? Um, and especially on the Lord's Day. And so something of what we're doing, of course, is even though we're doing a regular service, we're, we're encouraging families to, to worship together. And, and I think that's really good. I think we, um, you know, our perspective, I'm sure, yours as well is, hey, if we have the ability to preach the Word of God, put it where our people can see it. Um, our people can be encouraged by it, challenged by it, can worship with their families by it. Maybe even others not in our church can see it and hear the gospel. Uh, we want to do that. And so that's what we've been doing. Um, you know, of course, through Facebook Live, um, we've been doing 
Uh, we use a resource called BoxCast where we put it on our website as well. It streams it for us. Um, and then we put it on YouTube later. We don't do live stream to YouTube. But um, then we've been doing uh, children's ministry, student ministry, young adult ministry, all online as well. So um, I know this is more than probably what you asked, but we're doing like our, our young adult ministry typically met for young adult nights on Tuesday nights for like worship and a, a sermon series that I write and, and preach. So I'm releasing those messages or teaching those messages uh, on Facebook Live, uh, on our Instagram and on YouTube. Uh, every Tuesday night, and then student ministry, same thing, on Wednesday night, um, a series that we're walking through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. And then we're doing, utilizing, as everybody is right now, Zoom, right? Um, I think if hindsight was 2020 and you were a stock, uh, a guy who works by putting money in stocks, if you put stock into Zoom in January, you are probably living large because everybody seems to be using Zoom right now. But it's been helpful. I mean, it's, it's nothing like meeting in person, but um, to be able to actually see faces and see expressions and for them to see your face when you talk um, for like smaller groups has been helpful. So that's, that's the route we've taken. Um, that's how we're kind of trying to minister to our people as best we can. Yeah, you, one thing you mentioned there is, is it's definitely not the same. I mean, we, um, we have people in our congregation that don't have the kind of technology that we're using um, to try to get the word out. Um, and so, you know, I can, in, in those situations, they're just kind of stuck with whatever's on. And, um, you know, while there are some, some valuable resources out there that people can, can view, um, sometimes there are also some, just to be plain, like there's some false teachers out there as well. And so people have to be discerning on what they're listening to. And, and thankfully, the Spirit of the Lord uh, can direct them in that. But... You know, the, the the thing that really is hindered um, right now, I believe, is just that personal contact. Uh, just for instance, today, um, was had to call and talk to a gentleman that just had surgery. And normally I would go to the hospital and, and visit with him and pray with him. And I was still able to, to visit with him and pray with him over the phone. But there's something different in not having that face-to-face contact and, and uh, you know, just expressing to them and, uh, how much we care about them and and so so that that part of church is completely absent uh really uh at this time and so um so that though those things are a lot more difficult uh to to continue than just the teaching aspect i guess the the shepherding role is a is a lot more difficult in this season than the teaching aspect of church and yeah. and i think you know we as pastors that's our two main priorities is teaching and shepherding. And so that shepherding uh, really um, is hindered uh, whenever we can't be together. Yeah, and I think just not only teaching and shepherding, but you know, just leadership-wise, planning for the future and planning for an unknown future. You know, though the Lord is, um, is sovereign and in control of all of these things and is exercising His provision as He always does for His people— um, the fact that we just don't know what the future holds makes things sometimes difficult to plan. Like, hey, do we plan for a month out of being online service or next week? You know, what if God stops all of this and we're able to gather again? What does that look like? So um, it, it has been an interesting and difficult time. Um, uh, I, I don't know. You mentioned just for a second there, you mentioned, you know, everybody's kind of moving uh, the, the vast majority of people are moving online, right? And that means for all churches, not just 
you know, the, mm. the, the your church or, um, you know, healthy churches. There's, of course, very um, uh, disastrous false teaching um, churches that we would not recognize as, you know, gospel churches um, that are also putting their stuff online. So our people do need to be very discerning in this time. I actually just was scrolling through Twitter last night, um, which if, if you don't know what that means, that means wasting time. Um, and I was scrolling through Twitter <laughs> last night, came across a tweet uh, by a pastor in our area who's a pretty influential and solid pastor. Um, and uh, uh, you would know the pastor. But anyways, he tweeted a video of um, a very popular preacher uh, that we would not consider a very solid preacher at all, uh, um, who preaches one, you know, Elevation Church. His name's Stephen Furtick, and he was preaching a sermon. It seemed like on Easter morning, right? And of course, Furtick's got a huge marketing team. Furtick's got, um, you know, thousands upon thousands of people coming into his church every day. He's got a huge YouTube presence, got a huge Instagram presence, and he was preaching a sermon about Jesus exiting the tomb, right? Which we would kind of revel in the resurrection, in the resurrection of our bodies. We go to 1 Corinthians 15, right? We go to um, uh, the book of Romans, whatever it might be. And he was preaching it as a text to say, hey, whatever, um, however you need to get out of what tomb you're in, you need to kick that stone away. And then instructed people Mm -hmm. in their homes to kick something. (laughs) I'm just thinking, okay, if you kick your coffee table, make sure there's not coffee on it, right? Um, He's like, kick that stone out of your life because you don't need that stone in your life. And I'm just like, Dude, what did you just do? All right, I don't know how you got that, but you just moved away from the blessedness of the resurrection and the glory of God in raising the sun so that we might have salvation, might be secured, and might one day be glorified to kick the mess out of your life, you know. And, and so our, our people do need to be very discerning right now with countless sermons online. Um, I mean, that sounds good, but it sounds good to the extent of a Tony Robbins seminar where you just need to, you know, pick yourself up and do better, right? Which is just not good teaching at all. Well, um, it's completely anti-gospel. Right. I mean, the gospel says you can't do anything. you got to have a Savior. And he's saying, no, you can do this right? Uh, on right. your own. And, and your greatest need is to eliminate things in your life that are holding you back from reaching your personal potential, right? And I think uh, this, this pastor tweeted it, um, and he tweeted it because he said, uh, you know, he's writing a book on the prosperity gospel, and he's like, this guy's writing my book for me. And, and he's trying to see how the prosperity gospel went from these, and I, and I think it's, he's spot on, because the prosperity gospel was at one time packaged as the miracle water, the, um, you know, the things we can send to you, TBN, that kind of thing. And it's kind of been reshaped to a gospel instead of, um, of uh, wealth and prosperity is a gospel of personal potential that you can achieve. Um, mm, yeah. So I think that's the new prosperity gospel, right? And I would agree with what he was, what point he was getting to. Which they just steal from modern psychology. Right. They put, they Christianize modern psychology of self-help. Yeah. Achieving your dreams instead of attaining wealth. Um, hey, I don't know if you've seen like in the news right now, but, um, you know, we talked about how we're doing online church. Have you seen the kind of the drive-in church thing? I have. In fact, there's some around uh, around our area that do that. I know a former church that I was at has been having drive-in church every week. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, a former church I served in is doing the same exact thing. What do you? What, did you see the stuff in the news about? Um, you know, I think it was in Mississippi, and I think there was another location where um, some of those drive-in sites. Well, it was just like you know people staying in their cars, listening to FM radio. Maybe some of them actually putting their windows down to listen to the pastor preach. I know in a few of those sites, at least the media reported. Um, um, we know we all know how the media can sometimes be inaccurate every media site right but um uh, it looked like some different you know church services that were doing drive-in services uh had police presence where they were giving tickets to people who came and sat in their cars to listen did you see some of that yeah i know that some of them i think received tickets they for sure received mandatory 14-day quarantine orders um if they had been involved there and so, yeah, it was a it was a big overstep, I believe, of of authority there in telling people they cannot gather um, for those type of things. So, um, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, so initially, I mean, we were I, I think we were probably in the same spot where, as a church staff here at FBC Tampa, we were thinking through, okay, do we cancel services? Um, you know, the very beginning of the coronavirus outbreak, right? Where, I mean, we were just seeing a few cases and yet it, it was growing at a rapid rate. We began to think through, are we going to start canceling services? And, and you know, in the, in the back of our mind is, okay, God is sovereign and um, why would he not want us to gather? But at the same time, prudence also, you know, um, plays a role in this because we want to protect our people right? And so um, we want to obey governmental guidelines and protect our people. And so we are going to cancel services for uh, the, the, the short amount of time that we'll be in this. However, um, while we're weighing that as time goes on, um, at, some, at some point, we're going to have to play this ball game of when does it when do we feel like we're okay to gather back? And when we feel like we can still protect our people and allow services? And at the other end of the scale, when do we feel like we need to kind of push back against the precedent that says you can't gather? Because in our culture right now, the liquor store that you can, and, and I'm not anti-alcohol, I'm not, I'm not saying all those different types of things, but you can drive through a liquor store, be five feet away from someone, grab liquor and go home, and that's deemed essential, but you can't sit in your car isolated and hear a sermon on FM radio, right? Um, that's interesting. So when there is eventually going to be a scale that's going to shift, and on either end of this scale is protecting your people, and on the other end is um, the precedent of uh, governmental control. And at some point, that scale is going to, going to, to shift which, which, uh, where one side is going to become more important than the other. Right now, it's more important to protect our people. I think we're still in that stage. But when does it come where we have to push against the precedent as we now feel like we can protect our people? Does that make sense? Like when does yeah. the, the Romans 13 submission to government authorities become the... Um, the idea that, okay, is there a pushback against church gatherings and do we still obey? Does that sort of make sense? I mean, yeah, I mean, it is. It's a difference between Romans 13 and, and uh, Acts 4 where you, you know, you have to determine whether it's right for us to obey God or man. Yeah. We were going to, we're going to obey God. And, um, 
you know, and the the hard thing about this discussion is that it's going to look different in different places. Yeah. Because that level of protection is going to be different in different places. You mentioned um, uh, before we started today that y'all have over a thousand cases of coronavirus in your county. Well, it's, it's um, I might have inflated that a little bit. It's somewhere near a thousand in our Tampa Bay area. I think in our okay. county it's probably seven fifty, if I remember correctly. It's somewhere around. Okay. Well, still exponentially larger than what we have. We have had, I think, six cases in our county. Um, and so, you know, for for us, that's gonna that's gonna look a little bit different than it would be for you probably. But I think we're all gonna be dealing with the idea of pushback because no matter where you are, you're gonna have some people um, say, "Well, we can't gather at all, um, even if there's you know minimal risk." Um, and so. You know, we, we've tried to follow the, you know, per, the um, orders set out by our governor and those kind of things. And he's been, man, he's been great. Like he even tweeted out um, that that all the people should be seeking the Lord in prayer wow. to stop this. And so I've been very pleased. I wouldn't want, <laughs> there's not a governor in the United States that I would want their job and what they're having to deal with. Right. But, um, but yeah, I do think there is a point at which we will have to say we can no longer not meet together. And, you know, I think you and I have had discussions uh, previously. I, I struggled really even at the beginning of this thinking that there were, there are Christians all over the world that at the risk of their own lives meet together. Yeah. And, and one of the things that we talked about was even, you know, it's, it's a little bit different because it's not just you know, it's not just your life. You could be carrying to somebody else and those kind of things. But yeah, at some point, and I don't, I don't know where that, where that line is. Right. But I think, man, if we, if we've not gathered together, uh, and this goes like into a six month period, like we have to seriously start evaluating for, for the good of our people, for the good of our, you know, uh, building up as the body of Christ. We're gonna have to meet together. Um, and so, like, what form that takes is going to be interesting. Um, does that have to take the form of, you know, everybody um, at one time? Is it going to take the form of certain individuals at one time? I think there is, um, I think that there is a need for us all together at one point. You know, like we, we do things separately as a church, like we'll have life groups in people's homes and those kind of things. But as you said, the, the very definition of the church is the ecclesia, the, the gathered ones. And, yeah. and so the, we need to be together as an assembly and not just five or ten people uh, in different times. And so, man, I wish I had the answer to that because I feel like I could write uh, an article of and put it online and probably uh, garner lots of... <laughs> praise and uh money if i had the answer to all these questions but man it's just a thing that you, we've got to work through I, I believe as shepherds of our local congregations and also be careful i think not to place a law on other people that's not there mm. um, and i mean i'm talking about like a biblical religious law of people uh, the, the, on other people that isn't there because we can get pretty legalistic in things at times as well. What kind of law are you talking about? Just just for clarification's sake. 
Well, saying that, yes, people should absolutely regather it gotcha. at certain points. Yeah. Um, yeah you're not biblical you know, if you're like, not gathering at this point, right? right like right. like you truly don't believe in the sovereignty of God because, yeah. Or, or, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Because I, th- I, th- I mean, I think we tend towards that anyway. Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, Legalism's always been easier than grace. Uh, mm. That's why it's that's why it's astounding uh, to us. I think at some point, and so, but I mean, you know, one thing in this in this interim period here, where we're not not meeting together, one of the things that I've been real curious about, and uh, just bring up here and see what your thoughts are about. We've seen several churches that have decided since they're not together, they want to have that fellowship. And so like they've offered their congregations um, uh, communion, if you will, uh, and invited them to to gather elements in their home and and participate in that. Like, what do you think? What do you think about doing that in an online format? Yeah, um, that's a good question, because I mean, can you imagine like if it, we're just talking about um, how long it could be until we can gather again, um, can you imagine not being able to uh, to as a church gather together to um, f- for the Lord's Supper, right? Um, that's a scary thing, not, not a scary thing, but that's a serious thing to think that we might not be able to gather together, you know, or we there's potential not to be able to gather together for six months, so we can't. Um, you know, remember the Lord's death by partaking in the Lord's Supper together. I mean, that's a joyous, serious time to participate in the Lord's Supper. So, so I know people have been have tried to um, think through. Okay, uh, how do we offer this communion or this Lord's Supper for families at home? And and I, I don't. Know, I know I'm going to sound really brash and sharp here. Uh, so I, I know that I hope I don't sound arrogant or like I get all of this or I understand all of these things because I know I, I am sure the intentions of individuals trying to offer the Lord's Supper at home for their people is that they are intended to be good. Um, but I, I, I think it is a terrible idea um, to offer the Lord's Supper uh, just to individuals at home. And what's so interesting about this and I'm gonna. I hope this doesn't just come across as a rant. But what's so interesting about this is we. It seems like so often a lot of the, the churches that seem to be so on fire to offer communion, like like one week everybody was like all about virtual communion. And I'm just thinking, a lot of those churches that are so on fire about uh, uh, offering virtual communion didn't really have. It seems to me, and this might be a generalization about a really high view of the Lord's Supper. Anyways, and now they're all about the importance of hey, make sure let's hurry and get the Lord's Supper done while you're at home. Um, and so many of them have been broadcasting this Lord's Supper at home as, hey, just as a family, grab whatever you have, get you know the apple juice from your fridge, the Capri Suns that you got, the Gatorade that you got, get some Cheetos, get some Oreos, whatever will work will be fine. And my thought here is you need to be very careful because if you're yeah. instructing those watching your online live stream uh, to partake in the Lord's Supper just with whatever they have at hand, you might be simultaneously communicating to your church that the elements, that the gathering, and that the recipients don't matter. Especially when you laugh about the Cheetos and the Gatorade that you had, right? Um, We see specific significance in unleavened bread. 
right? We see yeah. a picture of the Old Testament in a symbol from the Old Testament in the unleavened bread. You know, leaven was, uh, you know, it's like, you know, pictured as, um, as sin. And, you, you know, you, you talk about the Old Testament. And, and I'm going to say this too. Uh, if we consider Old Testament passages, and God is the same, and the Old Testament is, is in the news, the same God, he cares how he is worshipped. In Leviticus chapter 10, you have Nadab and uh, Abihu, and I'm probably pronouncing their names wrong. They're sons of Aaron, and they worship the Lord, right, in an unauthorized way. And the fire that they made consumed them. And Moses went to Aaron and said, hey, the Lord will be glorified, right? And Aaron held his peace because they had done with certain elements in a certain way that God had not instructed, and God killed them for it. So we need to be really careful about just joking about the elements, joking about um, how we take the Lord's Supper. It's a serious thing. It's so serious that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when people had neglected for the gathering to get together, when it seems like something like maybe some rich people had, uh, or wealthy or prominent people had gotten drunk off the wine and couldn't offer any more of the Lord's Supper to poor people, um, uh, Paul says, hey, the reason some of you are sick and dying is because you're taking the Lord's Supper in an unauthorized, unholy manner. So Yeah, it's it's absolutely a serious thing. There's, and, there's my long and, rant about it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, you know, I, w- I will say there is, um, you know, I, I haven't done the Lord's Supper online. One thing I did do was a virtual Seder, um, which was the Jewish observation of Passover. And people might look at that because I, I completely agree with what you said. Um, and they might look at what I did and think, well, how's that any different than celebrating the Lord's Supper? Um, and I think it's different in a couple ways. Uh, one is, uh, and it just sounds like I'm just sitting here trying to defend myself. I'm really not. I'm just trying to explain why why there's a difference. Sure. Uh, even though God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we've had this conversation, that, but but I don't want to interrupt you, but you might explain to what this what the Seder meal is, you know, for someone. Oh, listening. yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, a Seder meal is just an observation. It's the order of service for the Passover meal. Um, and the Jews would observe this. They were commanded to observe this continually uh, year after year. And so, um, so we traditionally in our church have done this the last several years and so i did one this year uh, and put it online just that observance so that people could watch and and one of the things that makes that a little bit different is they were commanded to do that as families in their homes um and, and whereas the lord's supper is an ordinance of the church um that god established the passover was was for the Israelite people. It was for their their families. Um, now they could join a couple families together and do that, but that's how they were commanded to do it. All of those things were pointing to Christ um, and, and his sacrifice as a sacrificial lamb. Now, after his death, burial, and resurrection, he is gathering a people for himself yeah. um, made up of both Jews and Gentiles. Um, from from all the nations of the world and so we come together as a visible body of christ uh in our local churches and and that's an ordinance of the church he has ordained that we do that he has uh said that the church should do that and so i think there is a little bit of difference in those two things but just going back to the issue of the lord's supper i do think that um 
that, you know, people were trying to scramble to do anything to make people feel like they were still together. Sure. Um, um, but I, but I even preached a little bit yesterday talking about the, the Lord's Supper as a memorial and how whenever we get back together, man, what a great celebration that's going to be because we're doing that the first Sunday that we're back. Mm. Um, we're we're going to gather together and say, listen, we're going to celebrate what Christ has done, um, not only in bringing us back together, but what he did in the, his death, burial, and resurrection and, and how that unites us in the Spirit. And... Um, just you know it's going to be an awesome time i believe uh you know there's going to be such excitement being together but then getting to do that and and feeling the weight of it um and i think you know that's another thing whenever you're in a room together uh and you're remembering what christ had done uh what he's done there's a different weight than sitting on your couch with many distractions possibly going on around you at the same time that uh, that would divert you from under from really thinking about what you're doing mm-hmm. um, and asking God to search your heart and doing all those things. I'm not saying you can't do that at home. I just think that in that context of the assembly, um, with everyone trying to do that together, there can be a greater weightiness of it in those moments. I just preached a sermon uh, just the other day that talked about um, the Pharisees coming up to Jesus, and they were saying, why don't your disciples fast? The disciples of John do, and the uh, disciples of the Pharisees do. And he says, you know, why would I have the, why would wedding guests fast when the bridegroom is present? Of course, he's saying who he is right there. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, as I was teaching that, that message, I was saying, the Pharisees, when they're face-to-face with the fulfillment of the scriptures that they know by heart and do not recognize Jesus, unless they repent and run to that Jesus they are rejecting, they're not just going to be missing out on a meal with Jesus in time. They're going to be missing out on the marriage supper of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is explaining, hey, there's going to be a time where you fast, but it's when the bridegroom's not here. So for the, the, the people who were with Jesus at the time, they were feasting with Jesus. And there's going to be a time where they're going to be fasting. But that feast is only a great picture of what the feast will be in heaven, right? There's going to be yeah. a moment in time where they can't feast with Jesus in the same way they did, but there'll be a glorious feast of in the future, Right. Um, I say that just to say I am in full agreement with you in even small, significant ways that God has given us to glorify him and to enjoy the presence of one another um, as the church. We're in a time of, of somewhat fasting, right? Looking forward to the day where um, we're right. ultimately looking forward to the day where we're with Jesus feasting, but we're looking forward to the day where we'll even be able to uh, honor and celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Right. And, and so, yeah, I think absence does make the heart grow fonder. I think uh, what a glorious day it will be, just like you were describing when we're able to get back together. And I love that you guys are doing like the first thing you get back. Hey, let's celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Um, that's awesome.
I love that. Well, and, and you brought up something there, I think, to a great point, too, is that there in the Lord's Supper, there is a looking ahead, not just a looking back, but there's a looking ahead yeah. to the day when Christ returns and we can celebrate that marriage supper of the Lamb. And so, you know, all of those things together, I just think um, I just think it's wisest to uh, to wait uh, till we can be together again. Uh, again, not trying to uh, shame anyone who's sure. done that right. or or uh, or put a put a law on them. But at the same time, I just think prudence and wisdom uh, tells us it's better to to wait till we're together. Yeah, and we have so, and I think we can both say we've got brothers in Christ who might disagree on this issue, and we're not trying to say that they haven't thought through the issue. It's not like right, we've only right. thought through the issue. Uh, we just land where we land um, convictionally, and. Um, and you know we wouldn't land where we land without um, a reason, and, and, and giving that reason I think is could be helpful. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I would describe myself, and have described myself for many years, as low hanging fruit. So I by no means am the authority. Uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> hey, uh, as we're talking through this, um, I, I don't know uh, what your time looks like right now, but I know we had some other topics to talk through. Um, do we want to try to land the plane, or do you want to talk through a couple topics? It's up to you. Uh, we can try. I'm not sure we'll make our time frame if we do, though. Uh, that's the only thing. Hey, well, why and don't we so, why don't we table um, the next two topics? I think they might even go well together. Um, okay. So uh, I think we we hit a few really good things here. If you're comfortable with landing the plane, I'm I'm good. Yeah. Well, hey, let me ask you, or why, why don't you give them a little bit of a preview of what's going to be coming up in the next one then? <laughs> right. Uh, keep them on their toes, right? So <laughs> the four people that are uh, listening. Um, so <laughs> we wanted to talk about uh, Kanye West a little bit. Um, I've played a game growing up, Corey, uh, on my computer. It was one of my favorite computer games. And I never really got into Oregon Trail, but I got into where in the world is Carmen San Diego, right? And oh, so yeah. uh, just a, a few months ago, before coronavirus, before so many other things happened, uh, Kanye West had released um, what some would, deem, someone, some would deem as a Christian rap album, uh, where he is now a professing, he, he had professed uh, faith in Christ. Uh, he... Um, uh, said a, a large transformation has happened in his life, and uh, that was a that was big news. That was everywhere, and uh, his Sunday services were, um, you know, people wanted to get there. They wanted to experience it. They wanted to be a part of it. And now we haven't heard anything. I mean, it's probably been two months since I've heard anything about what Kanye West uh, is doing about his Sunday services about. Um, where he even is uh, as far as Walk with Christ. So I thought we might talk about that. Um, So you can look forward to that, listener. Um, We also thought we might talk about uh, CCM or Contemporary Christian Music, Um, some that might seem cheesy, some that might have uh, an interesting theology. There's a lot of uh, music coming out of churches that we might not deem uh, solid, biblical, gospel-centered churches. Um, And then there's great uh, music that maybe people don't know about. Um, we might talk about, you know, what we think about uh, contemporary Christian music, what we listen to, and maybe some music that we listen to that isn't contemporary Christian music and uh, might get, you know, some glares for that. So I thought that'd be something to listen to. And, and, and even this, like, so in, go ahead. No, go ahead. So in short, our next podcast will be sure to offend someone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially when we start talking about Christian music as it pertains to what music we sing in our church and why. 
right? That's yeah. really going to offend somebody. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the worship wars of old were contemporary versus traditional. The worship wars of new are whether or not to sing Bethel music, right? So yeah, um, for sure. that's going to be a good conversation. And yeah, we, we can't not offend somebody with that conversation. <laughs> so if any of you listeners know somebody that uh, works for or listens to Bethel, be sure to have them tune in to hear uh, what we have to say about that. Okay, that's kind of terrifying. I'm sure, it'll be a, I'm sure it'll be a joy to their heart. I say that in all sarcasm. But um, <laughs> anyway. Well, you just pulled that Band-Aid, right? <laughs> hey, why don't, you, uh, um, why don't you land the plane, brother? Well, I tell you what, uh, we would love for you to go to uh, Apple Podcasts or uh, Google Play Store and give us a five-star review. Uh, we want other people to be able to... Uh, listen in and uh, join the conversation and um, so leave us a five-star review and um, I want to ask Trent one more one more question before we go okay. um, what's what's the craziest name that you have ever heard uh, in use <laughs> dude I the crazy thing is I have a great answer for this question but I don't know that I want to share it <laughs> because um, oh, I know people who know that means it's good yeah I know people who probably know this individual but let me just I'll explain it but I, I don't know that I can say the actual name when I was working okay. at SBU which was the college I went to for undergraduate school Southwest Baptist University in Baller Missouri I worked in the call center and uh, there was this girl who had a very interesting specific name and I didn't know why she was named that I mean you know some reason sometimes some people with particular names have specific reasons why they were named that by their parents so this girl had um, a very unique name and I came to understand why she had that name when I was tasked to call her parents to ask if they wanted to donate money to the school and the first half of her name was her dad's name and the second half of her name was her mom's pushed together and let's just say it was not a name it was literally her dad's first name and her mom's first name missing just a few letters that would attach the two and it, nice let's I'll, I'll say this well no I don't, I don't know that i can say it so it was it was a it was an interesting name it made sense at, from oh that my on. gosh after we get off this you're totally telling me that yeah That's like awesome. like for example like my my wife's or my name's trent trenton uh my wife's name is jessica it'd be like Tessica, you know, it'd be something like that. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you as soon as we're off the podcast. I think, that, hey, it's hey, it's like a celebrity name now, right? But Tessica would be a thousand times better. I'll just say that. All right. Well, very good. Well, uh, I'll just give you real quick. Uh, I've got two great ones. Okay. Um, one is actually a person I believe that went to school in the town in which I pastor. Um, but anyway. Um, heard this story from a teacher that uh, there was an individual named Ladasha and um, yeah and there was actually a dash in the name that was part of the name (laughs) I have heard of that before yeah and uh, and then the second one was and you know this guy uh, Cliff Preston told me this and so if anybody knows Cliff Preston he was uh, he was singing a band and he went uh, they went into his band went into a Waffle House one night and said uh said, hey, uh, that's a really cool name you've got there on your name tag to the waitress, uh, uh, Lady Nasty. And they thought it was a big joke. And she looked at them in all seriousness and said, uh, it's La Dynasty. <laughs> and, uh, 
No and he way. just said, man, yeah, he just said, man, that was one day I was glad I could see them making my food because <laughs> he knew he would not get good food. Oh, no. uh, but anyway, man, uh, hey, that's good. Uh, hey, before, so, we, before we close, uh, Cliff Preston, uh, friend of both of ours, actually just uh, started a podcast. And I think it'd be fitting just to go ahead and shout him out. His podcast is called the Don't Quit Podcast. Don't Quit Podcast. Nice. And uh, well, yeah, we'd, we'd love to push people his way. Yeah. All right. Well, the, the reason I brought that up is because we want you to go give us a five-star review on Google Play or the Apple Podcast Store and, um, and put your response in there. What's the craziest name uh, you have heard that's been in use? And as Trent showed discretion, uh, we ask you to do that as well. Please don't put anything <laughs> on there that's not appropriate. And so... Um, we uh, will hope to see you or hope... No, we won't see them. We're doing a podcast. We're in quarantine. Uh, we, we hope that you will join us next time for In Context and In Culture. 